Good morning, brothers and sisters. We extend a warm welcome to all our brothers and sisters who have joined us in church here this morning for worship of our triune God. We also extend a special welcome to all visitors who have joined us here in church this morning. We pray that you'll also be with those who have joined us remotely via the live stream. This morning we have the joyful privilege of witnessing multiple professions of faith, as well as baptisms, and we are thankful that God himself continues to gather and preserve his church. All praise is to him. May we all be comforted and encouraged by the preaching of the gospel, and may God be praised and glorified by our worship. Consistory has the following announcements. Sister Tamara Bookhold has requested an attestation to the Free Reformed Church of Byford. We wish her the Lord's blessing in her new congregation. You are reminded that the wedding of Tamara Bookholt and Daniel Vanderwall is scheduled for coming Saturday at 12.30am in the Free Reformed Church of Byford. The Lord willing Holy Supper will be celebrated next week, Sunday, 11th of December, in the morning service. The consistory with deacons will meet tomorrow evening at 8pm in the consistory room. And this morning the worship service will be conducted by Reverend Poppy. Before we commence this worship service, let us sing together from hymn 8, verse 1. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. brothers and sisters welcome here if you're able if you can please rise we'll worship the Lord we begin this service with a confession that our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth amen receive then God's blessing grace to you in peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ Amen. Let's now sing together. We're going to sing a song of praise to God. We'll sing from Psalm 100, the verses 1, 2, 3, and 4.
One of the special gifts that God gives us is he gives us his law. It's in his law that he reveals his character to us, and he also teaches us how we can become like him and to live like him. It also convicts us of our sin, and it shows us how, we, how much we need Jesus Christ to save us from what we have done wrong against the Lord. This morning, I'd like to read the law with you as we find that in Deuteronomy chapter 5. There it says, And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is on the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and who keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, But the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates, that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Honor your father and your mother, as the Lord your God has commanded you, that your days may be long, and that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder, and you shall not commit adultery, and you shall not steal, And you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. And you shall not covet your neighbor's wife. You shall not desire your neighbor's house, his field, or his male servant or his female servant, his ox or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. When you read this over, then, we are convicted that we have sinned against these commands. So let's now sing together. It's in Psalm 25, verse 3 and 7. We make a confession of our sins, and we also sing of the grace that God is willing to extend to us in Christ. So let's sing Psalm 25, verses 3 and 7.
Let's now pray to God and let's ask God for a blessing over this worship service. Dear Father in heaven, we come before you this morning. We do so with so much gratitude in our hearts. You are our God and we are your people. You desire to have a relationship with us. You tell us about the the great things that you've done for us. And you invite us to, to know you and to have a relationship with you and to receive your kindness and your grace into our lives. Father, it's a really special Sunday for us this morning here because we're looking forward to to the baptism of our brother Julian Moon, to the public profession of faith of Julian and Mary, and of Brad and Megan, of Kyle and Ashley, also of Dylan and Alyssa. It's a really special thing that you brought them to us, Lord, that they wish to join our church. It's also a very special thing that that they wish to have their, their children baptized so that the children also can share with us. Father, we thank you and we praise you for this rich gift. We want to ask you for your blessing over these things. We're about to to read together the, the form for public profession of faith. We're about to, to read the forms for, for baptism of adults and of infants. We're about to hear the, these new members make a profession of their faith in you and also make commitments about raising their children to know and love you. And Lord, that's a, that's a really momentous occasion and we wish to honor you and to thank you that you brought us to this day. We also wish to, to ask you, Lord, that you would bless us We're hoping to open your word, to consider what you have to say to us. We wish to pray for your blessing over that. Grant that you would encourage us with your word, that we may be built up in our faith in Jesus Christ, and that it would would help us to walk in a relationship with you. Father, our hearts are filled with gratitude, and we thank you for that. We honor you, and we praise you. Please hear us, and please forgive us for, for the sins that we have committed against you. And please do these things for Jesus' sake. Amen. So we have a very special Sunday morning this morning. We're looking forward to public profession of faith of eight members, eight new members for our church, and also the baptism of eight people this morning. And so to that end, there's, there's a few forms in the back of our book of praise that also walk us through the significance of these events. And so what I'd like to do with you is I invite you to open up your book of praise with me, and we're going to read through. In the first place, we're going to read through the the form for public profession of faith. You can find that on page 602 of your book of praise. So Brad and Megan Stevens, Kyle and Ashley Peters, Dylan and Alyssa Atkinson, and also Mary Moon have requested to make public profession of their faith. So beloved in our Lord Jesus Christ, we thank our Lord and God for the grace given us by adopting us to be his children and receiving us into his covenant. We acknowledge his love and power by which he instills in his children the desire to publicly profess their faith in him in the presence of his holy church so that they may receive admission to the Holy Supper. And if I can ask all you to please rise. So Julian, you get to rise in a minute. You have to wait your turn. 
Since you have now come here to make this profession before God and his holy church, and hereby to receive admission to the Holy Supper, we ask you to answer sincerely the following questions. First, do you wholeheartedly believe the doctrine of the word of God, summarized in the confessions, and taught here in this Christian church? Do you promise, by the grace of God, steadfastly to continue in this doctrine in life and death, rejecting all heresies and errors conflicting with God's word? Second, do you acknowledge God's covenant promises, which have been signified and sealed to you in your baptism? Do you truly detest and humble yourself before God because of your sins and seek your life outside of yourself in Jesus Christ? Third, do you declare that you love the Lord God and that it is your heartfelt desire to serve him according to his word, to forsake the world, and to crucify your old nature? And fourth, Do you firmly resolve to commit your whole life to the Lord's service as a living member of his church? Do you promise to submit willingly to the admonition and discipline of the church if it should happen, and may God graciously prevent it, that you become delinquent in either doctrine or in conduct? Mary Moon, what is your answer? Brad Stevens, what is your answer? Megan Stevens, what is your answer? Um, Ashley Peters, what is your answer? Kyle Peters, what is your answer? Alyssa Atkinson, what is your answer? And Kyle and um, Dylan Atkinson, what is your answer? Well, after you've suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Brothers and sisters, I want to invite you to please rise at this point. We're going to sing a song of praise to God. Let's sing together from Psalm 134, verse 3. next place we get to move to the to the baptism and also the public confession of faith of our brother Julian Moon. Um, to that end, I'd like to, uh, to read together the form for this, as you find that on page 599 of your book of praise. So if you want to follow along, you can find it on page 599. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, The doctrine of holy baptism is summarized as follows. First, we and our children are conceived and born in sin, and are therefore by nature children of wrath, 
so that we cannot enter the kingdom of God unless we are born again. This is what the immersion in or sprinkling with water teaches us. It signifies the impurity of our souls so that we may detest ourselves, humble ourselves before God, and seek our cleansing and salvation outside of ourselves. Second, baptism signifies and seals to us the washing away of our sins through Jesus Christ. We are therefore baptized into the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. When we are baptized into the name of the Father, God the Father testifies and seals to us that he establishes an eternal covenant of grace with us. He adopts us for his children and heirs and promises to provide us with all good and avert all evil or to turn it to our benefit. When we are baptized into the name of the Son, God the Son promises us that he washes us in his blood from all our sins and unites us with him in his death and resurrection. Thus we are freed from our sins and accounted righteous before God. When we are baptized into the name of the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit assures us by this sacrament that he will dwell in us and make us living members of Christ, imparting to us what we have in Christ, namely the cleansing from our sins and the daily renewal of our lives, till we shall finally be presented without blemish among the assembly of God's elect in life eternal. Third, since every covenant contains two parts, a promise and an obligation, we are called and obliged by the Lord to a new obedience. We are to cleave to this one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, to trust him and to love him with our whole heart, soul, and mind, and with all our strength. We must not love the world, but put off our old nature and lead a God-fearing life. And if we sometimes, through weakness, fall into sins, we must not despair of God's mercy, nor continue in sin, for baptism is a seal and a trustworthy testimony that we have an eternal covenant with God. Although, our, although the children of believers are not able to understand these things, they must be baptized by virtue of the covenant. Adults, however, may not be baptized unless they, conscious of their sins, repent and profess their faith in Christ. For this reason, John the Baptist, following the command of God, preached a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, and only those who confessed their sins were baptized. Our Lord Jesus Christ also commanded his apostles to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, adding the promise, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. According to this rule, the apostles baptized only those adults who repented, and profess their faith. Therefore also today, no other adults should be baptized than those who have learned to understand by the preaching and instruction of the gospel the glorious contents of holy baptism and are thus able to give an account of their faith by personal profession. In order that we may now administer this holy sacrament of God to his glory, for our comfort, and to the upbuilding of the congregation, let's call upon his holy name. Let us pray. Almighty eternal God, in your righteous judgment, you punish the unbelieving and unrepentant world with the flood. But in your great mercy, saved and protected the believer Noah and his family. You drowned the obstinate Pharaoh and all his host in the Red Sea, 
but led your people Israel through the midst of the sea on dry ground, by which baptism was signified. We therefore pray that you, in your infinite mercy, will graciously look upon Julian and incorporate him by your Holy Spirit into your Son, Jesus Christ, so that he may be buried with him by baptism into death and raised with him to walk in newness of life. We pray that he, following him day by day, may joyfully bear his cross, that he may cleave to him in true faith, firm hope, and ardent love. Grant that he, comforted in you, may leave this life, which is no more than constant death, and at the last day that he may appear without terror before the judgment seat of Christ, your Son. All this we ask through him, our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who with you and the Holy Spirit, the one only God, lives and reigns forever. Amen. Julian, if I can ask you to please rise. Beloved Brother Moon, you desire to receive holy baptism as a seal of your incorporation into the Church of God. You've been instructed by us in the Christian religion, and you've made profession of it before the overseers. It must become clear to all that you not only accept the Christian doctrine, but that you also intend, by the grace of God, to live according to it. Therefore, we ask you to answer sincerely the following questions before God and his Church. First, do you believe in the one and only true God, distinct in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who is created out of nothing, heaven and earth, with all that is in them, and still upholds and governs them so that nothing happens without his will? Second, do you believe that you were conceived and born in sin, and are therefore by nature a child of wrath, totally unable to do any good, and inclined to all evil? Do you confess that you have often transgressed the commandments of the Lord in thought, word, and deed, and do you sincerely repent of all your sins? Third, do you believe that Jesus Christ, who is both true and eternal God and true man, who assumed his human nature from the Virgin Mary, is given by God as your Savior? Believing in him, do you confess that you receive the remission of sins in his blood, and that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you have become a member of Jesus Christ and his church? And fourth, do you wholeheartedly agree with the doctrine of the word of God, summarized in the confessions and taught here in this Christian church? Do you promise to continue steadfastly in this doctrine to the end of your life, and do you reject all heresies and errors conflicting with this doctrine? Do you promise to persevere in the fellowship of this Christian church and to be diligent in the hearing of the word of God and in the use of the holy sacraments? And fifth, do you firmly resolve, as is proper for a member of Christ in his church, always to lead a Christian life and not to love the world and its evil desires? Do you promise to submit willingly to the Christian admonition and discipline of the church if it should happen and may God graciously prevent it that you become delinquent in either doctrine or in conduct? Julian Moon, what is your answer? Our merciful God grant you his grace and blessing to fulfill your holy intention through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Julian, if you will come forward, please. Julian Moon, 
I baptize you into the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Brothers and sisters, you're invited to... Oh no, we're not going to sing. We're going to do that in a minute. Um, at this point, we're going to, to pray to God. We're going to thank him for the gifts that he's given us here. Let us pray. Almighty, merciful God and Father, we thank and praise you that you have forgiven us and our children all our sins through the blood of your beloved Son, Jesus Christ. You received us through your Holy Spirit as members of your only begotten Son and so adopted us to be your children. You sealed and confirmed this to us by holy baptism. We pray through your beloved Son that you will always govern this brother by your Holy Spirit that he may live a truly Christian and godly life and grow in the Lord Jesus Christ. Grant that Julian may acknowledge your fatherly goodness and mercy, which you have shown to him and to us all. May he live in all righteousness under our only teacher, king, and high priest, Jesus Christ. May he valiantly fight against and overcome sin, the devil, and his whole dominion. May he forever praise and magnify you, and your Son, Jesus Christ, together with the Holy Spirit, the one only true God. Amen. Congratulations, brother. Amen. Can you give me a hand, Julian? Julian, Julian, can you just take that side? We're just going to move this thing off. We're going to move this thing over there. Sit it down right against the wall here. We don't need this. Thank you. Just need to make some space for a few more. So the other gift that we we have this morning is we also have a number of children who will be baptized. And so to that end, we also get to, to read one more form. We get to read the form for the baptism of infants. And that's back on page 597. So if you you look at the form for the baptism of infants, then you will notice that... um, There's a lot of similarity between this form and the form that we have just read. So just to be clear here, um, our brother and sister um, Peters, um, Kyle and Ashley, they've asked for baptism for their son Bowden Kyle and also Lila Ash. Then Dylan and Alyssa have asked for baptism for their children um, Harley Joe and Kyle and Amari. And then also Julie and Mary Moon have asked for the baptism of their two sons, we have Caleb Allister and, sorry, Jack Allister and Caleb Oscar. And so what I'd like to do with you is um, rather than read the first page and a half, we've just read that together. And so I'd like to, to continue with you in the, the last paragraph on page 297. So beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, After summarizing the doctrine of baptism, then in the last paragraph it says there, although our children do not understand all this, we may not therefore exclude them from baptism. Just as they share without their knowledge in the condemnation of Adam, 
so are they, without their knowledge, received into grace in Christ. For the Lord spoke to Abraham, the father of all believers, and thus also speaks to us and our children, saying, I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant, to be God to you and to your offspring after you. Peter also testifies to this when he says, For the promise is for you and for your children, and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Therefore, in the old dispensation, God commanded that infants be circumcised. The circumcision was the seal of the covenant and of the righteousness of faith. Christ also took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands upon them. In the new dispensation, baptism has replaced circumcision. Therefore, infants must be baptized as heirs of the kingdom of God and of his covenant, and as they grow up, their parents have the duty to instruct them in these things. Once again, in order that we may administer this holy sacrament to God for his glory, for our comfort, and for the upbuilding of the congregation, let's once again call upon God's name. Almighty eternal God, in your righteous judgment, you punished the unbelieving and unrepentant world with the flood. But in your great mercy, you saved and protected the believer known as family. You drowned the obstinate Pharaoh and all his host in the Red Sea, but led your people Israel through the midst of the sea on dry ground, by which baptism was signified. We therefore pray that you, in your infinite mercy, will graciously look upon these children and incorporate them by your Holy Spirit into your Son, Jesus Christ, so that they may be buried with him by baptism into death and raised with him to walk in newness of life. We pray that they, following him day by day, may joyfully bear their cross, that they may cleave to them in true faith, firm hope, and ardent love. Grant that they, comforted in you, may leave this life, which is no more than a constant death, and at the last day that they may appear without terror before the judgment seat of Christ, your Son. All this we ask through him, through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who with you and the Holy Spirit, the one only God, lives and reigns forever. Amen. So if I can ask the parents to please rise. Beloved in Christ the Lord, you've heard that baptism is an ordinance of the Lord our God to seal to us and our children his covenant. We must therefore use this sacrament for that purpose and not out of custom or superstition. That it may be clear then that you desire baptism for the right purpose, you are to answer sincerely the following questions. First, do you confess that our children, though conceived and born in sin, therefore subject to all sorts of misery, even to condemnation, are sanctified in Christ? and thus as members of his church ought to be baptized? Second, do you confess that the doctrine of the Old and New Testament, summarized in the confessions and taught here in this Christian church, is the true and complete doctrine of salvation? And third, do you promise, as father and mother, to instruct your children in this doctrine as soon as they are able to understand and to have them instructed therein to the utmost of your power? Um, Brother Atkinson, what is your answer? Sister Atkinson, what is your answer? Brother Peters, what is your answer? And Sister Peters, what is your answer? Brother Moon, what is your answer? And Sister Moon, what is your answer? 
I'll invite you to, to bring your children forward here. Bowden, do you want to come first? Why don't you come up to the front? Why don't, why don't you all come up to the front here? Bowden, shall we baptize you first? Yep. Okay. Maybe if, if I could just ask you guys to stand back here. And Bowden, yeah, he, he can stand with you. Just take him in front of you. Bowden, you go stand with your mom. So Bowden, I'm going to put a little bit of water on your head. It's a sign that you get washed by Jesus Christ from all your sins. Okay? Bowden, Kyle, Peters, I baptize you into the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Good job. <laughs> Lila Ash Peters, I baptize you into the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Harley? Harley, I'll just drip a little bit of water on your head and it's a sign that God loves you and that he's going to wash you all your sins away. He's going to take care of you. Can I do that? Harley Joe Atkinson, I baptize you into the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Callan, I'm going to do the same for you. Just a little drip. Callan Amari Atkinson, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Hi, Jack. Jack Alistair Moon, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. It's a bit of water on his forehead. And Caleb, I'm going to put a drip of water on your forehead too, okay? Okay. Caleb Oscar Moon, I baptize you into the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Brothers and sisters, if you would please rise. We're going to sing together of the covenant promises that God makes to us and to our children. Psalm 107, verse 3. Grab a psalm for a second.
such special gifts of God. Let's thank the Lord for, once again, for the gifts that he's given us in these baptisms. Let us pray. Just wait for one, one moment here. Let's pray to God. Almighty, merciful God and Father, we thank and praise you that you have forgiven us and our children all our sins through the blood of your beloved Son, Jesus Christ. You've received us through your Holy Spirit as members of your only begotten Son and so adopted us to be your children. You've sealed and you've confirmed this to us by holy baptism. We pray through your beloved Son that you will always govern these children by your Holy Spirit, that they may be nurtured in the Christian faith and in godliness, and that they may grow and increase in the Lord Jesus Christ. Grant that they may thus acknowledge your fatherly goodness and mercy, which you've shown to them and to us all. May they live in all righteousness under our only teacher, King and High Priest, Jesus Christ. And may they valiantly fight against and overcome sin, the devil, and his whole dominion. May they forever praise and magnify you and your Son, Jesus Christ, together with the Holy Spirit, the one only true God. Amen. Brothers and sisters, after this beautiful occasion, let's now, um, we're going to open our Bibles. We're going to reflect together on some of the the promises that God has extended here and some of the blessings that he gives to, to those who commit their life to his service. I'd like to read with you, the sermon this morning is taken from Romans 6, the verses 1 to 14. I'd like to put that into context, so I'd like to read with you from Romans 5, starting at verse 18, and read through to the end of chapter 6. So if you want to follow along in your Bible, you can find that on page 1,120. Romans 5, we're going to start reading at verse 18. There God's word says, Therefore as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many were made righteous. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And then starts the, the text. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, 
we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. That's where our text ends. We'll just read to the end of the chapter. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under law, but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that you, who were once slaves of sin, have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, and having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I'm speaking in human terms, because your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members to slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your, ma- your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. For when you are slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. What fruit were you getting from, the, from that time, from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now you've been set free from sin and have become slaves of God. The fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So far. Let's sing together. We're going to sing a song. We're going to sing from Psalm 86. Verse 4.
The text for the sermon this morning is taken from the passage we just read together from Romans chapter 6. We're going to consider the verses 1 through 14. Then after that, we're going to, at the, after the, the preaching of the gospel, we're going to sing together from hymn 52, the verses 1, 2, and 3. Well, dear brothers and sisters, congregation loved by the Lord Jesus Christ, today is a pretty special Sunday. You get to witness the baptism of, of eight, nine people, and no, seven people, sorry, and the, uh, the profession of faith of eight people. So it's just a really special gift of the Lord that, that he brings you to us. Julian and Mary, also Brad and Megan, and... Kyle and Dylan and your wives. God's taking you on quite a journey to, to bring you here to join this Reformed Church. It's really been, been quite something. For you, it's been two years um, coming out of the Pentecostal Church and coming to understand the grace of God in Christ, coming to appreciate everything that he's done for you and to realize that, that this is a real gift of grace and it's not up to you. It doesn't matter how much you do and you don't have to always try to secure God's God's grace and blessing by the things that you do. And coming to that, to that understanding, it's, it's beautiful that, that you also wish to join us. That's the heart of the gospel. That's what's most precious to us. So we delight in, in God's gift and bringing you to us. And for you, Julian and Mary, it's also been a journey. For you, it's been really four years that we've come to know you. It's been quite a journey before that already. It's really through those years that we also got to see something of, of God rescuing you from the darkness and bringing you into light and see the, the joy that he's given you. You walk in truth. You walk according to, to the light. And there's real blessing in that. It's a real precious gift of God to, to all of us that we get to witness his work in your life and that we get to also witness the, the baptism of your children. So we honor God for his gifts to you. We've well, made profession of faith. You've been baptized. Your children are baptized. You joined the church. In a sense, you, you may wonder to yourself, well, what next? It's been a lot of work or a lot of thoughts, a lot of effort coming to this point. And the, the question could be, you know, why is this such a big deal? and Why does it matter so much? I'd just like to, to explore that with you this morning by considering the, the passage that we read together, this passage from Romans chapter 6. You know, professing your faith is a really big deal. Because when you profess your faith, you state that your ultimate allegiance is with God. That you believe in God. You understand what he teaches in his word. That you understand that you're a sinner. That you're sorry about your sins. That you trust Jesus Christ to forgive your sins. And that you look to God to, to grant you his grace. And having your children is, is really special. It's a really big deal because when your children are baptized, it means that that they belong to God, that they're included with him in this special relationship. They get to be a part of his family. And that's one of the greatest things ever. If our children, whom we love, also belong to God's family and he loves them, then there's a profound joy that we have in the Lord and what he's done for them. But then, you know, baptism, it, it also has a greater significance. It has, has more meaning than just being included in God's family. The the symbolism of baptism, we just had it here this morning, we, we sprinkle a little bit of water. In the Bible, there's, there's also some occasions where people were dipped or they were dunked under the water. The word baptizo, it actually means to, to dip. 
um, to dip in. And so either by dipping someone in water or by sprinkling someone with water, the imagery is the same. The imagery is that of cleansing. It's a washing. It's through baptism that God gives us an outward sign of an inward spiritual reality. That he washes us clean from all our sins. That he washes away all the guilt, all the dirt, all the evil that we've ever committed. All the things that we're not proud of. Any, any guilt that you might have had before God that gets washed away through faith in Jesus Christ. And baptism is a sign of that washing away of your sins. And you know, if you, if you read the book of Romans, then Romans really, it talks about this reality and Paul, Paul explains this reality. And in order to understand Romans 6 here, I'd like to just for a brief moment put it into the context of the rest of the book. Romans 1 starts with a message. God says that, that the Gentiles are sinners. So Paul is writing, he wrote this letter about 2,000 years ago. There was a church in the city of Rome, the modern-day city of Rome, that was also the ancient city of Rome. Well, there was a church there, and there were some believers in that church. And so Paul wrote to them, and he said, he said you know, that, that the Gentiles, those people who don't know God, who are not Jews, they're sinners, and they've done all sorts of things that are offensive to God, and they rest under God's judgment. And the Jews, they would have been nodding their heads. They would have been saying, yes, those terrible Gentiles, they shouldn't do those things. But then in the next chapter, Paul addresses the Jews. And he says, you're no different. You're also sinners. You've also done a lot of things that are really offensive to God. And so in chapter 2 and 3, he works that out. He said, everyone is a sinner. Doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter what your background is, we have all sinned against God. We've done things that offend God. God is, he's a good God. He always does what's right. He's separate from sin. There's no evil in him. He's never committed any evil, ever, in his existence. And he's offended when people commit evil against him. At core, he's a God who's filled with love. He loves people. And he loves his creation. And he always acts according to that love. But we are people who have rebelled against that and sinned against that. And the result is that we rest under his, his judgment. We deserve punishment. He told us at the beginning, you sin, you die. But here in Romans 4, in the next chapter in Romans 4, he says, you don't have to die. There's a way out. And that's through faith in Jesus Christ. Christ came to die. So that anyone who believes in Jesus Christ doesn't have to bear their punishment. And that's really the gift of God in Christ. Through faith, there's a really expensive word, it's called justification. Through faith, you are justified. That means you are declared right before God. God is the judge seated on the throne, and he looks at your life, and if you believe in Jesus Christ, then he says, all your sins are washed away through Jesus Christ. And so when I look at you, I see someone who's perfect, someone who's holy, someone who it is as if you've never sinned, and I delight in you, and I love you, and I want to have a relationship with you. In Romans 5 verse 1, Paul says, since we've been justified, we have peace with God. We have peace with him. There's nothing between us. We don't have to be afraid of him. We don't have to hold back from him. We can come into his presence and we're at peace in our relationship with him. 
Well, that's the, the background. And it's in that context that some people, some people heard about that. They kind of thought to themselves, well, if we sin, and then God saves us as an act of grace, then whenever we sin, it shows God's grace. And so then they kind of said, well, sin is not a bad thing then. Because sin shows more and more the grace of God. So we can keep on sinning, and that shows how gracious God is. And that's really the, the matter that Paul addresses first here in Romans 6. He says you, you need to be really careful with that thought. And then he, he develops the, the, the thought after that. He says you have to understand what really happens when you believe in Jesus and when you're baptized into him. Because if you understand that, then you will not keep on sinning. And so I'd like to, to look at, at these, these verses here in Romans 6. I, I've summarized this passage with this theme. Since we are united to Christ, we've been set free from sin. And we have a new life. That's really the promise that comes out in, in these verses. There's two parts to it here. In the first place, we share in Christ's death. And the second thing we're going to see is that we share in Christ's new life. So the, the context here is that these people were saying, well, maybe we can keep sinning. That shows more and more of the grace of God. Verse 1, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? And Paul answers it. He says, by no means. He says, absolutely not. If you're saved by grace, that doesn't mean that you just keep on sinning so that God's grace keeps on happening. No, if you're saved as an act of grace, then you're going to be really thankful for that. Are you going to love God? Are you going to do whatever you can in order to show him how much you appreciate the grace that he's extended to you? And then Paul says, if you, if you keep sinning after you have been saved by grace, then it says, he says, you really misunderstand who you are in Christ. And that's really the, the theme that he develops here in our chapter. He says, you need to understand what it means to be united to Christ. You are in Christ. If you believe in him, then you're united to him. You share in him. You're, you're, you're united with all his, his gifts and blessings. The Apostle Paul, he, he, spells, out for that. he spells out for us what that, what that looks like, and he does so by referring back to baptism. If you look in verse 3 there, he says, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Well, he says you, you share in two things, in the first place in Christ's death and then in Christ's resurrection. It's possible you hear about that and you kind of think, well, what does that mean? How did I share in Christ's death? Well, Paul's not talking physically here. There was a time when Jesus Christ died on the cross. But he's talking about a spiritual reality. He says, when Christ died on the cross, if you are in Christ, if you believe in him, then you, you are united with him and there is the spirit, your sinful nature that died together with him. So when Christ died, your sinful nature died. And when Christ came to life, 
then your new nature came to life. And the way that God, or the way that Paul explains this here is he connects it to baptism. Now the, the point of baptism is that when we are baptized, then we are washed clean from all our sins. It's a, a profound symbol of the unity that we have with Jesus Christ. There is a physical thing here. You get washed physically, but there is a spiritual reality that stands behind that, that you are spiritually washed clean from all your sins. And that's, that's the reality that Paul picks up on here. He says, you share with Christ in his death. That means that all your sins, all your previous sins are washed away, that there is no more guilt for any of those things that you have done. And he, he explains that in the next verses. If you go to verse 6, for example, he says, We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Your old self, that refers to, to your sinful desires, your sinful way of living. Paul says that old self was crucified. That was put to death through faith in Jesus Christ. And so we, we have these sinful desires in us. And sometimes it happens that, that we get angry. Somebody does something that's offensive to us and we get mad. Sometimes we hold on to our anger, hold grudges against people. Or we have the sinful desire of greed within us. If you go to Ephesians 4, Paul talks about a bunch of these things. Sometimes we're sexually immoral. Sometimes he says that we become selfish, we become manipulative and controlling. Sometimes it happens that, that we don't trust God. We take things into our own hands. We try to do things in our own strength. Well, Paul says these are all parts of the old self. This is how we used to live. But he says that was put to death. That was washed away in your baptism. That was washed away from, from you. His point here in Romans 6 is that when you believe in Jesus Christ, then that no longer has power over you. He gets back to that in verse 14. He says in verse 14 of the passage, For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. Sin does not have the final say in the life of someone who believes in Jesus Christ. If you believe in Jesus Christ, then that sinful nature was put to death. It died. It was buried with Christ. It was put away from you. That's not the definition of who you are as a believer in Jesus Christ. Now you might, you might wonder about that. You might say, well, that's not my reality. I'm still a sinner and I still commit all sorts of sins and I still struggle all the time. And Paul gets to that in chapter 7. In chapter 7 he says, yes, it's true. He says, we still have these sinful desires. We still sometimes really struggle with sin. He says, it's not the good that I want to do that I do, but he says, it's often the evil that I don't want to do, that's what I keep on doing. But then at the end of chapter 7, he calls out, he asks this question, verse 24, he says, who's going to deliver me from this body of death? And his answer is, thanks be to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
Jesus Christ delivers us from our sinful desires. He sets us free from the power of sin. Sin does not have the final say in your life if you are a believer in Jesus Christ. That is the great gift of God that he's given to you as an act of kindness. Well, the Apostle Paul, he experienced it personally. There was a time when Paul was a a zealous Jew. He rejected Jesus Christ. He didn't believe in Jesus Christ. He was so zealous, he was so religious as a Jew that he hated anyone who was not a Jew. And he was actually a very violent person. He tried to arrest people and he threw a whole bunch of people into prison and he had people beaten because they didn't believe in Jesus Christ. And so Paul, he talks about that in Galatians 2. Verse 19 and 20, he says that God rescued him from that. God made him into a new person. Galatians 2.19, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. So Paul wrote this to the churches of Galatia. It was a, today we call it Turkey, in modern day Um, In the modern day, in in the old time, it was called Galatia. And there was about seven churches in that area that he's writing to. And he wrote this letter to them and he says, he said, you need to understand that if you believe in Jesus Christ, then you are set free from the power of sin. It doesn't have the ultimate authority in your life any longer. But he says, instead what happens is that Jesus Christ lives in you and he makes you into this new person. And then it's interesting to note the language that Paul uses in verse 5 of our text. It's in verse 5 he says, For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. And the word for united there, it's a really interesting term. Literally, it means to grow together with. It's It's a botanical term. It's used of a branch that you, you cut into another branch, you graft the two branches together, and you grow with the other branch. So there's this branch that grows with the tree, and the two of them grow together. Well, that's the, that's the language that Paul uses of what's happened to him in his relationship with Jesus Christ. If you believe in Jesus Christ, then you grow with him, then you're united to him, you're grafted into him. And then Christ's power is manifest in your life. And then Christ enables you to to reject sin and to flee from it. That's really quite an incredible promise, brothers and sisters. Especially for us as, as Reformed people, it's really important for us to reflect on that. Now, sometimes as Reformed people, we have this attitude, we... We really want to make sure that we don't undermine the fact that we're sinners. We look at some other churches, and sometimes it happens in other churches, that there's not much mention about sin anymore. You know, most people, they, or there's, there's some churches that they really emphasize the fact that we have been born again with Christ, we are made new, and as a result, sin is pretty much a non issue. And then what is the message of the gospel? Well, sometimes the message of the gospel becomes God will help you in your troubles. And so if you're sick 
or if you're suffering, or if, you need, if you're oppressed, if you, if you need wealth, if you need success, you need to pray to God, you need to trust in him, and he will help you with those troubles. And as Reformed believers, we look at that, and we say that's not the message of the gospel. The core message of the gospel is that we are sinners, and that God saves us from our sins as an act of grace. But then we should reflect on ourselves. Do we not sometimes emphasize our sins so much that we see ourselves, we identify ourselves in the first place as sinners? And do we not sometimes then also make excuses for our sins? Sometimes we have that with young people. We talk committing sin is inevitable. Yeah, they got drunk and yeah, they, you know, they do things that are really sinful, but you know, they'll grow out of it. They just need to grow up. That, what do you expect? That's what's going to happen. Or sometimes it happens that you get really hurt by somebody. You get really angry. You hold on to your anger. And you bear grudges. And then you say to yourself, you say to other people, well, well I'm a sinner. Like, what do you expect? And so you excuse it. You allow it. You enable it. There's someone who maybe is a bit insecure. There's a bunch of anxiety that you have in your life about different things at different times. And you say to yourself, well, I'm just an anxious person. That's just who I am. That's my character. That's my nature. That's, that's who I am. I am an anxious person. And that's what defines you. And so on some level, does it not happen to us sometimes that that we so much define ourselves by our sin that we excuse it, that we enable it, that we allow it? It is a struggle, brothers and sisters. Romans 7 is a huge struggle. But the message of Romans 6 is that God sanctifies his people. God changes you. And sin will not have dominion over you if you are in Christ. It doesn't have the final say in your life. It doesn't have authority over you. God sets you free as an act of his grace. And you wonder about that. You look at your life and you wonder about that. You say, How's, you know, I, I, I don't know if I can, if I can agree with that. You know, if I look at my life, there's just a struggle, 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 struggle. I just have to keep struggling. I have these besetting sins. Sometimes we have things that have happened to us in childhood. Or sometimes we, we have a character that leads us to, to commit all sorts of sins. And so sometimes we say, well, well, nothing ever changes. But then I'd ask you, is that really true? Does nothing ever change for those who are in Christ? If you use the means of grace, if you understand, if you believe in Jesus Christ, if you understand what he's done for you, that he has forgiven your sins, that he loves you, and if you respond to that love and love by loving him, is it not true that, that over time that you do become a different person? Maybe not week to week, but maybe year to year, or maybe decade to decade. If you look back 10 years ago, are you the same person who you were 10 years ago? 
If we look back 10 years before that, are you the same person who you were then? God's saying that he will sanctify you. This is his work. Christ died and rose again. And if you believe in Jesus Christ, your old nature dies. And you rise again with Jesus Christ. And his life becomes manifest in your heart. He changes you. And he makes you into a new person. And since that's the case, then he also calls you to live that way. That's the message of verse 12. Verse 12 of our our text, Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. Do not let sin reign in your mortal flesh. Since you died and rose again, since you believe in Jesus Christ, you cannot continue to live in sin. You must change. God will change you. With his Holy Spirit, he will make you into a new person. And so God says, believe it and pursue it. He says, flee from sin and live a holy life. The Apostle Paul, he spelled it out for the Romans. If you go to chapter 13, Romans 13, verse 13, let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on our Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Paul says you need to change, Romans. You used to engage in all this sexual morality that was commonplace in the, in the culture of the time. Well, Paul says that's not on anymore. You can't live like that. You've died with Christ. You've raised with him. As you believe in him, he makes you into a new person. The Apostle Paul, he makes a similar point to the Ephesians. There was another church in Ephesus. It was not next door, but it was in the same vicinity there. Paul said to them, Ephesians 4 verse 17, Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. And he says these Gentiles, he says they're darkened in their understanding. They're alienated from the life of God. He says they give themselves over to sensuality and they have a continual lust for more. But then he continues, he says, but that's not the way that you learn Christ. That's not who you are. You're a new person. You're made alive in Christ. You've been given the Spirit of God, and the Spirit of God changes you so that you reject sin and that you walk in holiness before God. Well, this is the promise of baptism. Julian, you were baptized. And you had your children baptized. And the promise of baptism is twofold. Baptism deals with the past and it deals with the future. With the past, it says God wipes away all the sins that you've ever committed. Your sins are forgiven. There is no guilt whatsoever anymore. That's not only true for you, it's true for all of us. Everyone here who's been baptized, God promises you, 
He says, all the sins of your past, as you believe in Jesus Christ, all those sins of the past, they're dealt with. They're wiped clean. But then Romans 6 here, it goes on into the next section. And it says, baptism also has a promise for the future. It gives you the promise of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. We are baptized into the blood and spirit of Christ. Christ's blood washes away all our sins, Romans 4 and 5. Christ's spirit renews us to a new life, Romans 6. It's through faith in Jesus Christ that God lives in you, and he changes you, and he makes you into a new person. And when our Lord Jesus Christ lived on this earth, then he lived the new life. He loved God, and he loved God's people. And he lived it out. He cared for the people around him. He healed those who were sick. He cast demons out of some people. He taught the people who God is and what God had done for them. He was willing to associate with the social outcasts. He was willing to call out the leadership when they were hypocrites. He really loved the people. The point of Romans 6 is that when you believe in him, then he lives in you. You are raised by the power of Christ. Christ dwells in you. You're united with him. So his Holy Spirit comes down from heaven and it comes into your heart. And he makes you into a new person. So that same love that Christ had for other people is the love that you can also have for other people. And that's a... It's a beautiful thing to receive. It's a beautiful gift to have. Maybe if you want to open your Bible with me to Romans 12. We'll read a few verses there about what it looks like when the Spirit of Christ lives in you. In Romans 12, verse 1, there the Apostle Paul says... I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, or sorry, that's on page 1126. Romans 12, page 1126. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So he says you need to be transformed in your mind by the gospel. And then what does that look like? Well, the verses 3 to 8, Paul says, you use your gifts in service of your brothers and sisters in Christ. God says, I've given each one of you different gifts. And that's also for the new people, you new members who have just joined our church. God's given you different gifts. And God says, I'm calling you to use your gifts in service of the other members of Christ's church. And God calls the rest of us, he says, I'm calling you to use your gifts in the service also of these new members and of the other members of Christ's church. That's how the Spirit works. The Spirit gives us these gifts and calls us to use them. Verse 6 Having gifts that differ according to the grace given us, let us use them. And then if you keep reading in verse 9, the Apostle Paul, he shows, out what the new, shows us what the new life looks like. And he spells it out in a bunch of different ways. 
I'll read a few verses there. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in affliction. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. And the hardest one he saves for last, he says, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. And he works that out in the following verses. You need to forgive each other. You need to bless each other, even when people treat you badly. Well, that is who God is. That is what Christ has done for us. God has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing when we hated him and when we rejected him. He loves us. And now he says, I'm remaking you into a new person. I'm living in your heart with my Holy Spirit. Christ says, you're united with me. and I'm going to live in you and make you into the kind of person who reflects my character in dealings with other people. Well, it's such a, a precious gift that God gives to us all, brothers and sisters. He says we are his people. He loves us. He forgives us our sins, and he gives us to each other so that we can help each bless each other. We can live out this new life in Christ. Let's re- receive that in faith. Let's use the means of grace that God has given us so that more and more we grow in an understanding of who he is, that we love him, and that we live as he lived. You know the best news? The best news is the promise that God will finish the good work that he has started in us. It's in Philippians 1, verse 6, that God gives the promise. He says, And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Well, it's true, for you have come to believe in Christ. You began this good work in you, or you already believe in Christ, but you've come to know him as your savior through faith and what that means, what that all means. And that's really the gift that he gives you. He says, I will complete this good work that I began in you. That's the promise that he also extends to our children. We just read together the, the form for baptism. The form for baptism, it ended off with this incredible promise from 2 Peter I'll just read it with you once again. Or sorry, no, it wasn't the form for baptism. It was the form for public profession of faith. After you make a profession of your faith in Jesus Christ, then, then at the end of that, then we, um, we read together from 1 Peter. It's 1 Peter 5, verse 10 and 11. After you've suffered a little while... The God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. That's a good note to end on, brothers and sisters. It's not our doing. It's not that we put sin to death and that we live such a, such a beautiful life by our own power. But this is the work of God that he does in us through Jesus Christ. Christ himself will restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. 
He will bring his work to completion in you. Well, what a promise and what a joy that we get to look forward to. Amen. Let's now sing together. We're going to sing from hymn 52, the verses 1, 2, and 3. to God. This morning we're also going to remember in prayer our brother and sister Brendan and Larissa Mulder. They have received a healthy baby boy from the Lord. They've called him Shepherd Vance. So we'll thank God for, for the gift that he's given to them. We'll also remember our brother John Jansen. Ask that God would comfort him in his, his circumstances and especially also after his brother Harry passed away from esophageal cancer. So his brother had the same cancer that John is struggling with, and he just passed away this past week. And so 
It's quite a reality check for our brother. So we'll pray that God would strengthen him and, and also comfort him during this time. And we also remember our, um, the family of our brother, Rob Old. So his father, um, Brother Bill Old in, in Melville, he's really not doing well. Physically, he continues to deteriorate. So we'll pray that God be near him. At the same time, they also had a really special week this past week where spiritually he's doing well and, and they could have a lot of fellowship together. So I'm grateful for that. So let's also thank God for that. Let us pray. Dear Father in heaven, we come to you, Lord, with so much thanks in our hearts. Thank you that you are our God and that you love us and that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, into this world in order to pay for all our sins and to restore us in relationship with you. Thank you that Christ was willing to die on the cross, that he bore the incredible judgment that we deserved, that he made payment for all our sins. And Lord, as we look to faith in him, we trust that our, our slate is clean, that you're not angry with us, but that you love us. And so we do that, Lord. We confess our sins to you. We're sorry for all the sins that we have committed, all the times where we've been selfish and proud and greedy and lustful and angry, all the times where where we've had idols in our lives, where we allow certain things to take center stage in our life, and we, we don't honor you, we don't trust in you as we should. We confess to you, Lord, the times we've lied, at times we've been really covetous, at times we, we've disrespected those who are in authority over us. We've sinned against you, we've sinned against the people around us, we've done that in lots of ways. We come to you with empty hands, we confess our sins to you, we pray that for Jesus' sake, that you would forgive us. Please show us mercy. Please grant that his blood cover our guilt. Thank you for the promise that you're willing to do this. Thank you that you tell us that you make us clean. Thank you for the, for the gift of baptism, that through baptism we can be assured of that. Thank you that you also allowed all these new members to be baptized. We honor you for that gift. We honor you for the symbol of a deeper reality. Thank you for your grace in Christ. Thank you also, Lord, that in our baptism, you, you remind us of the, the other great spiritual reality that you will renew us. You'll make us into new people through the power of your Holy Spirit. Thank you that we may have union with Christ, and that by being united to him, that he lives in us, that he changes us, and that we can become beautiful people who love you and who love the people around us. Thank you, Lord, for the many ways in which we do love you and for the many ways in which we're kind and compassionate and for forgiving, that we're willing to bear with one another, that we have patience and gentleness, that we speak the truth and that we have self-control, that we seek peace and that we, we have close fellowship with others. Truly, these are rich gifts out of your hand. We honor you for that. And we thank you that you do that. At the same time, Lord, we pray that you would help us to believe that sin is not our master, that it doesn't have dominion over us, but that you have the power to set us free from sin, and that you do that through the work of your Son. Help us then, Lord, to continue to flee from sin and to, to put it out of our lives. Help us never to make excuses for our sin, but to struggle against it and to fight against it. And Lord, if it is a struggle, then help us to, to understand that you will never leave us, but that you will carry us through the struggle and that you will bring us into glory. 
you will complete the good work that you have started in us. Thank you for these rich promises in Christ. And thank you for, for allowing us to, to be confirmed in these promises this morning. But we're so grateful that we could have 16 new members who join our church this morning. We thank you that you brought them to us. We also wish to entrust them to your throne of grace. We want to ask you to grant your blessing to them. Father, we pray that you would be with Brad and Megan Stevens and with their son Josh. We ask, Lord, that you would bless them in every way, that you would shine your face upon them, that you bless their marriage, that you bless their family, that you give work to Brad, and that you bless them in, in the work that they do. Please be a father to them. Please lead and guide them in your ways and grant that it may go well for them. Father, we bring Kyle and Ashley before your throne of grace as well, and we ask for your blessing over them too. Please grant that, that they may be blessed in their marriage, that they may be blessed in, in the work that they do. Please grant that their children can grow up to know you and love you. Give them the, the wisdom to teach their children who you are and what you have done for them. And please grant that they may rest under your blessing, that there may be great peace in their family. We also bring Dylan and Alyssa and their children before you. And we ask also that you would be near to them and that you would bless them. Thank you, Lord, for the gifts that you've given them. Thank you for the love that they have for you. Please bless their marriage and bless their work. Please bless them in relationships. Be with all of these families, Lord, and grant that they may become integrated within our congregation. Grant that we may open our hearts to them and grant that they may open their hearts to us and help us to love one another and care for each other. Please also be with Dylan and Alyssa's children. Grant that they too may, may grow up to know you and love you and that they may rest under your grace, that they may confess Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. We also pray for Julian and Mary Moon. We're grateful that Julian could be baptized this morning as well. We pray, Lord, that you would continue to bless him. We ask that you would be near to him with your Holy Spirit so that he may continue to walk in your ways and receive your grace. We pray for Mary as well, that you would help her in the tasks that you've given to her. Grant that you would bless their marriage, that they can care for each other and love one another from the heart. And bless their children, that Job as well as, as the other two, can grow up to, to know you and love you and that they, they may rest under your grace and receive your blessing. Father, we, we thank and we honor and we praise you that you've brought them to us. And we ask that we may love one another from the heart, that we can help each other in serving you. We also wish to, to thank you for some of the other special things we can have this morning, Lord. I'm so grateful that our brother John Mahoney can be with us once again, first time in many months that he's able to worship with us. We thank you and we honor you for that. Thank you that he's able to, to move into Fairhaven. We pray, Lord, that you continue to bless our brother and that you'll go after him. We pray also for Brother John Jansen. I want to pray, Lord, that you would sustain our brother. His health is up and down. There's a lot of struggles that he has with his health. At the same time, he, he's also heard the news that his brother has passed away from, from esophageal cancer, from the same cancer that he struggles with. Father, please, please comfort our brother and his, his wife and their family. Please be near to them and surround them with a rich measure of your grace. Thank you for the great faith that they have in you. And please help them that they put their trust in you, that they may receive a rich measure of your peace in their hearts. Father in heaven, we also pray the same gift for, for Brother Bill Old, the father of our brother Rob. Please, please be near to, to our brother Bill and to his family. Please comfort him, Lord, as, as he... As his body breaks down, please be near to him with your Holy Spirit and, 
and grant him a rich measure of the peace of Christ. Thank you that you gave this gift to him and to his family this past week, that you were near to them and you surrounded them. We pray that you would continue to do so. Father, please be with the old family. Please be with the Jensen family. Please be with, with the Mahoney family. Be with the others. There's others who are receiving treatments for cancer. There's others who receive treatments for many other things. There's others who, who have had serious operations and who are healing from that. Please be a father to us. and Please carry us and show your love towards us. We also wish to thank you, Father, that our brother Brendan and Larissa Mulder could receive a healthy baby boy from you. Thank you that Shepherd could be born and that all things can be well for him. I want to pray that you would please be near to, to Larissa, grant healing to her, and grant that it may go well for her. Please grant that in due time that Shepherd can also be baptized, that he too may receive these covenant promises, and that he may grow up to know you and love you. Give them a lot of joy in their family, Lord, and carry them through this busy time. Father in heaven, we also wish to ask that you be near to, to others who have other health concerns. There's a number of people in our congregation who are struggling with COVID. This becomes a, an issue once again. We, we pray that you grant relief and healing to those who are struggling. We ask that you would sustain the rest of the elderly members of our church as they face the breakdown of the body in different ways. Be especially near to those who face constant pain. We ask that you provide relief and healing to them. Father, thank you that we can bring all these things to you. Thank you for your grace in Christ, and thank you for your help in all the, the struggles and the circumstances of our lives. I want to ask you now that you would bless us as you go from here. Give us joy as we celebrate together the good gifts that you've given us here. Grant that we can have a lot of fellowship together and, and bring us together again this afternoon that we can worship your name. We pray these things, Father, in Jesus' name, because we know that you love us for his sake. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters, you now have the opportunity to worship God, this time by showing your gratitude to him and by giving your financial gifts to him. We're going to have a collection. If you wish to, to express your, grace to, your gratitude to God for his grace, the collection this, afternoon, this morning is going to be for Fairhaven. That's the, um, the old age home where many of the members of our church who are elderly, they live together there. So we're going to try to support the elderly members of our congregation. Then after the collection, we're going to sing together from hymn 85, the verses 1, 2, and 3.
before you go home, you first may receive the, the grace of God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. I ask you all to uh, please be seated for a moment. It's been a really long time. It's been a long service, and maybe you really want to get over to get your children out of creche. If you want to do that, that's okay. But we're just going to take a few minutes. We just have a little presentation that we'd like to make to the new members in our church. So it's been a very special time for us as a congregation getting to know all of you. Um, we've had much joy in opening our hearts to you and getting to know you. One of the things we love to do is, is to share with you. Whenever somebody becomes a member of our church, does profession of faith, we always love to share something. And so we'd love to share with you a, um, a copy of a devotional here. It's called Christ Psalms, Our Psalms, Daily Meditation for Individuals and Families. So these are meditations. They've been written by some of the ministers in our churches back in Canada in some sister churches back in Canada, and so we hope that that's a blessing to you and, and that's an encouragement for you. What we usually do is we'd love to read a verse with you, um, a verse just to encourage you in your faith in God and, and to reflect with you about who God is and what God's done for you. And so we've asked a few people to, um, to give a verse, first for Julian and Mary. We've asked Brother Ali Klein if he's willing to, uh, to pick a verse. Ali's known you the longest and he's been a real blessing in your lives. So the verse that Ali chose is Philippians 4, the verses 4 through 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Come on up. Julian, congratulations once again, brother. Mary, many congratulations. May God bless you. The next book here I have is from Brad and Megan. And so we've asked Warner and Sitsa Spiker to choose some text for you. Warner and Sitsuka had the delightful experience of being able to walk alongside a life with the Stevens, Atkinson, Peters families in the past months, just to go over the, uh, the message of the gospel together with them to review the confessions. And so, thank you so much, Warner and Sitsuka, for doing that. Sincerely appreciate your work in that. If you have a chance to talk with them about it, then they will say, man, this is the best thing that you can ever do. And so if you have an opportunity to ever jump in on this, then please do. So the text, Brad and Megan, the text that they've chosen for you and also for your son Josh, it's Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Congratulations. Come on up. Many congratulations. Brad? I'll move over this way. Kyle and Ashley, 
The text that Warner and Sitzka have, have chosen for you is from Philippians 2, the verses 12 and 13. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work, for his good pleasure. Congratulations. Happy for you? Yeah, very happy for you. And I promise I won't make you sing. So last time, they were a little nervous about all this. You know, we have to come up to the front, and does that mean we have to sing? Because we don't know the songs that good. <laughs> and so I promise I won't make you sing this time. Dylan and Alyssa, the text that Warner and Siska have um, chosen for you is taken from John 14, the verses 16 and 17. There it says, And I will ask the Father... And he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Welcome to our church and many congratulations. Yeah. Let's thank and praise the Lord for what he's given to them. I... I, I promised we're not going to sing, so we're not going to sing, but oh, it's so hard for me. Yeah. We will not sing. What I, what I would like you to do then at this point is we um, um, like to invite you all to the fellowship hall. You're welcome to have a cup of coffee, to, uh, to meet and mingle together. You'll be able to meet together with them in the fellowship hall and give them a word of congratulations. Praise the Lord for his goodness to us. Maybe we'll leave first. You're welcome to go.